back on. Good morning. What a privilege it is to be up here with you as always. <coughs> Levi is, um, he's, he's hit a growth spurt or something. He just did not want to sleep last night. So it's been, uh, it's been crazy in town at our house as he doesn't want to nap. He doesn't want to sleep. He's just, he's awake. He's ready to do whatever the Lord wants him to do. And as soon as he starts walking, I'm sure he'll be out the door. Um, this, this message came, excuse me, this message came, uh, about a week or two ago as, as I was studying and, and praying, um, I was, I was thinking about what it is that the Lord is, it, what season the Lord has us in. And, and for me, it is one of foundation building, it, reflection on, uh, all the things that have happened in, in, in my past, uh, all the things that the Lord wants to prepare me for in the future. And I was telling um, Monica, I'm an Emma, a minute ago about my job and, and how the Lord has me in this interesting season where I, I have a job to do and I'm doing work at my job, but, but it's not necessarily the, the job I've been hired for yet. Uh, we're waiting on a piece of software to come in for me to, to, fun to work functionally in it. And, and so right now my boss is like, look, just be busy, <laughs> do things, learn, you know, network, meet people. Um, there's, a, there's a leadership program. Go take the leadership program. And, and so he's been very, uh, because he knows, he, he knows exactly what's going on. He, he has no allusions to me having all these things to do and not doing them. Um, and in the meantime, we're talking strategy and we're working through what do we want for the future, et cetera. And, and so I, I feel this way in the spirit for me where it's it's foundation building it's looking at things that have happened in, in the past and how do we make sure that that doesn't happen again or I don't feel that way again because I'm building a foundation of you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and so as I was praying about it this 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 sermon our teaching came to mind um, and I started to prepare it and and the title of it is practically a saint and Dennis and I had a good laugh about that a minute ago uh, because it is a double entendre it is um for me it, it it is about being a saint in a practical manner but it's also about being almost there and i feel like as a christian we're always going to be almost there you know the apostle paul uh, was talking about um not that i have yet achieved it but i i press on towards that goal the, the mark of the high calling and so I, I feel this way constantly what what are you doing Lord what's different today what how are we moving forward and, and you feel like you're getting to a place where you are almost to the place where God wants you and then something happens whether it's the enemy comes in or your mind comes in or the enemy or, or the Lord holds you back for whatever reason something is always happening where you feel like there's there's something more and I'm, I'm almost going to get there but I'm not there yet um, there is always going to be growth, I believe, for a saint. And that's why the title is Practically a Saint. You're almost there. But I also want to say that there are practical things that we should be doing as saints that Christians as a whole don't necessarily um, adhere to. And, and I don't think that it's, it's a bad thing necessarily, 
but but it does push the envelope of us being on the front line versus those that are just passively living for the Lord. Um, and I think that's really the differentiation when I think about being a saint between us and the general church is is this pursuit of God, the the active relationship, um, wanting to be in His face and not just gathering from His hand. And and so I want to talk about. Over the past 20 years, when you think about it, um, but over the past 20 years that we've been walking this walk, the Lord has taught us so many different things about our relationship, about the word, about intercession, and and inside of that have been some, uh, I don't want to call them nuggets of gold because I think it's all gold, but I, I want to say that these these nuggets that have come that I think create a foundation for who we are as a people and, and how we move forward in the pursuit of God. And and so these things that we're going to talk about today, and, and there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five of them. That was an accident. It was not on purpose. Uh, but there are five of them. Um, these five things that we're going to talk about, I believe, are not just foundational, but they are required for us to be able to move as a saint every single day. Let me say it differently. These things are required daily for us to be able to move as a saint. That's, that's really what, I'm, what I mean when I talk about it. So, yes, they're required. And, and, yes, they are something that we need to move forward in. But, but in my opinion, they are something that's, that are required every single day for us to activate in. And we're going to start here with uh, agape. It is one of the foundational messages that we've learned very early on. Um, I am not going to dive deep into every single one of these because we have several resources, sermons, teachings, books, etc. on these topics. I, I want to touch on them. I'm going to teach a little bit on them. Uh, but more than anything, I want to bring to your mind what it means for you daily. So agape, we're going to read here in John chapter 5, verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love, the agape of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, you him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that comes from God only? <clears throat> Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? So obviously the word there, I said it is agape. The love of God is in you. The, the agape, as, as we began to study what agape really meant, um, we know that there are several words in, in the Greek language for the word love the word that's used here is the word agape and it means love it, it means an active pursuit of God and, and in the context here you can see Jesus talking to um, these teachers of the law the Pharisees the Sadducees um, and how they are they look at this relationship with Jesus and with each other and with with God as something that is done through um, through word alone through the letter of the law, not through the spirit of what God was trying to accomplish in their lives. 
and, and as they're actively pursuing their own walk with the written word, they are actively de-pursuing. It's not a word, but I'm going to say it. They're actively de-pursuing their walk with God himself because what they're really looking for are the mandates. What are the things that I have to do in order to just move along? And, and I, that's where I feel that this sentence is very important. I know you. I, you don't have the love of God inside of you. And I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, that really means something when you think about what Jesus is telling these people from a relationship standpoint. And that's really what agape, as we read about agape, is all about. And, and that's really, for me, the foundation of the separation between the saints and the general church. Now, we could go down the line and talk about, is there really a differentiation? I, I believe the Bible does make one, specifically when, when you hear the apostle say, you know, to the church and to the saints. So we all know that, right? But, but when we think about this here and what God is doing with agape, it's, it's really about, do you know me and do you love me? Do you have the love of God within you? Look, look at the next one, John chapter 14. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Obviously, the word agape does not show up in here. But I, I think it sets the foundational message of what is the love of God, um, the agape. I, I truly believe that it's in this, in, this, in this phrase, this paragraph, whatever you want to call it is. It's you can't get to God but through Jesus. But the point is to get to God, and the only way you do that is through Jesus. And, and I think that was very hard for people to understand way back in the day when we had our, our battle with the assemblies and, and all the things that happened. Uh, we, it, was, it was warfare. It was spiritual warfare, in my opinion, what was going on, because they, 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 they hounded us for actively pursuing the heart of God and, and uh, among other things but they, they hounded us for actively pursuing the heart of God when the Bible clearly says that's what you're supposed to be doing you, you can't get to the Father except through me so if we stop at Jesus and don't actively pursue God we're only doing half of the stuff that the Bible says that we need to do you think about I think about this all the time the, the Trinity you know, we, we, we think about God and, and his um, triune manner and, and how he has come here on this earth to interact or interface with us. I've never heard anybody say, um, I worship you, Holy Spirit. It, it's not because it's not a part of God. It feels, did we lose this? No. We did for a second. We, it, it feels, I think, for some people unnatural when it's a part of God. Um, we say we worship you, Jesus, all the time. We worship you, Father, all the time. But, but sometimes for some people it feels unnatural to say we worship you, Holy Spirit, and, and even though it's a part of God. We, we have to understand in this, this trinity that it's, it's almost like a, a stepping stone. You, you go through the Spirit within you to Jesus and then from Jesus to the Father. We, we actively pursue God with the empowerment within us and, and, and our, our brother beside us to see God in front of us. And, and when you think about it that way, 
we have to understand that that's why Jesus came to this earth for us to be able to have that relationship the the cleansing that he provided allows us to work and talk with God he became the sacrifice that that the new the old testament talks about the the lamb that was slain he rent the the veil all these these things that we learn as as new christians about what jesus did for us what he provided we i say we i'm going to talk about the general church for a second we we stop at the cross and and sometimes get to the resurrection but we stop at the cross and the resurrection because we we believe that that's the be all all as as a general church that he did it he died for my sins and it becomes then all about us it becomes about what we need what we want our 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 transition from this earth into heaven requires jesus and so we live in this life where jesus becomes the the be-all end-all that's it that's all we need and and we forget that the reason we even want to go to heaven in the first place is god is the father he's going to be there and we're going to worship him we're going to get to be with him and love him and and he's going to dote on us and he's going to love us and and there's this this two-way street we i didn't get this two-way street in um my catholic years you remember that monica we talk about that all the time i didn't get that two-way street when i was a catholic and and i'm not disparaging the catholics or what they believe i'm just saying that as a catholic in my younger years it was a very one-way street it was you shall worship god and god alone and that's it that's all you have to do he's not going to do anything for you um, you don't get to talk to them. They're, that's what the priest is for. You don't get to uh, do worship or anything. That's what the choir is for. You you just sit in your pew or stand. or No, no, sit back down. No, no, stand back up. You sit and stand in your pew, and um, you know what I mean. And um, and then and you just you just sit there and do what, what you've been told. So when I went to church as a Catholic, it was very, it was very one way. And, and because of that one way relationship, I, I really didn't know God. I knew there was a God, and it was drilled inside of you. God is all-powerful, and he's there, and he's scary, and you, be, you better watch out. You better be a good little boy. But I didn't know him. I didn't want to know him. I didn't care to know him because it was a one-way street. And, and as I moved into a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, and then very quickly as this church started moving on and, and wanting, a, not moving from Jesus, but moving into more of what God wanted it was look Jesus is there with you to bring you to the father side by side hand in hand you're a partner in this you are co-heirs it's interesting that that word is in the Bible co-heir and, and we general church again pay very little attention to it but but as we started moving from this general church mentality into what more does God want from us that's really where I think the foundation of agape came in and it it changed even from a Christian sense, Catholic versus Christian sense, it changed my perception of who God is, who he wants me to be, and who he is to me. Because God is not some nebulous thing that's out there that I have no interaction with anymore. I, I now get to talk and work and love God. And and the the picture that the Old Testament paints of Moses seeing the face of God and and working with the Lord and and the people 
saying, well, we don't want that. You, you do all that stuff, Moses. We'll, we'll be back over here in the, the bottom of the mountain. Um, we'll just listen to what you have to say, right? And, and Moses saying, no, look, there's more for you. God wants you to have this relationship with him. Well, we don't want that. We don't want that. And, and even when he comes down the mountain as a cloud of smoke, um, the people are pushing back. Hey, hey, too scary, too much. Back off, Moses. You go talk to God. And that's, when you think about it, that's really sad that, that you would not want a relationship with your father, your creator. That's, that, to me, is the foundation of, of agape. That's why I think that, that scripture is so important. No man comes to the father but through me. You can see now the, the importance of Jesus and his sacrifice and his work here on this earth to open the way for us to have the relationship but don't stop there you have a relationship now you have an opening to be with God so Romans chapter 8 verse 35 this is an interesting passage because the more I read it the less I understood it who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord so there you see that foundation again of through Jesus the love of God but I, I'm going to present to you a a I won't call it a theory um, but maybe an opinion that I have uh, a new way of seeing this scripture shall be able to separate us from there's two ways to read that portion right there shall be able to separate us from God's love or shall be able to separate us from loving God that's two different ways and and I'm not I'm not suggesting that either is wrong or either is right but I want to talk about this because like I said the more I read it the more I was flip-flopping on what that phrase really means who shall separate us from the love of Christ Christ's love for his people who shall separate us from that the alternative way of seeing that is who shall separate us from loving Christ us to him and him to us and and understand that this confusion this flip-floppiness comes from the the words that come after that who shall separate us from loving Christ will tribulation separate you from loving Christ Think about that. Will distress separate you, keep you from loving Christ or loving God the way that you should? Will persecution keep you from loving God? Will famine keep you, nakedness, peril, sword? It's a different way of seeing that sentence. Let's read it the other way. Who shall separate you from Christ's love? Will, will tribulation separate you from the love that Christ has for you. That, that's an interesting thing to say because if you think about what Jesus did, then the answer should be nothing can separate you from Christ loving you, right? 
But then why point out these specific words? Why point out that, hey, there, there could have been a possibility. Was it tribulation? No, no, see, tribulation, not even tribulation. Well, then, but what is tribulation? Tribulation is not something that comes from Christ. Tribulation is something that comes from this world that attacks you. It doesn't attack Christ. So if, if tribulation is attacking you, does that mean that Christ stops loving you? Does, does that make sense? So, so as I read this in that context, who shall separate us from Christ loving you? Nothing can separate Christ loving you. Nothing can separate God loving you. But why these words then? Death cannot separate God loving you. So when you die, God will continue to love you. Life, when you live, God will continue to love you. Go ahead, brother. These are all the things that happened to Christ mm. as he was living. And tribulation did not separate his love toward us. Yeah. Or distress, persecution, or famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword. And so not only is it true now in his heavenly place, but it was true in his life. Yeah. On earth. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting perspective too. Those are the things that happened to him, and and that didn't stop him from from continuing to want to do what he wanted to do for us, which was that that agape, that love. I love that. Yeah. And and that's I think that's the key right there is we're the only ones that can stop it. Um, but I think as the more I read it, like I said, the more. I flip-flopped, and I think the answer to me came in, well, it's both. And that's really what a relationship is, isn't it? You can't, you can't, say, um, you can't say that in, in a marriage it's a, it's a one-way street. It can't be. You can't have a wife that loves you and adores you and does everything for you, and then you not love that person because there's, there's a breakage there. Now, obviously, that happens in, in some marriages, and it's quite sad. Um, but, but I, I don't know if you could even call that a marriage. The, the relationship that you have with your family, your, your sons, your daughters, your parents, it, it is a two-way street. And, and I think that's really what this scripture is, is all about, that, that God's love towards you is, is not stopped by tribulation, by distress or persecution. But, but the, other, the other part of that is also true, that your love for God should not be stopped by tribulation, should not be paused with distress or persecution. Your love for God cannot be broken down by famine or nakedness. These are the things that uh, the principalities, death, life. I, I, like, I think that's interesting that life is in there. Neither death nor life nor angels nor principles. These are, these are powers. These are big deals. And, and when you think about big deals, right, are, 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 is the Bible saying here that God could have a, at any point in time been persuaded by an angel or a principality or, or life or death that, that you don't deserve love? I, I think it's, it's the opposite. It's these things cannot stop your love towards God because it is through Christ Jesus that we have our love towards God. Because of all the things that Christ did for us, our love, our agape towards God builds this bridge of relationship. 
And so, look, I, I know this, this gets confusing, but I think the, the point of it is that there is nothing that can separate your purpose, the thing that God wants you to do um, in him, and we need to be mindful of that. We need to be actively pursuing every single day those things that God wants for us. That, to me, is really what this agape is all about. It's about the two-way street, the relationship, the not us, not just him loving us, but us loving him. And I think that's the hardest message that a general church Christian can hear because we have been, it has been ingrained in us that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And as long as you accept that, you're good to go. That's it. You're done. You, you have accepted Christ. Welcome to heaven. And, and that's, that, I think, is what has allowed the church to be in the state that it's in today because it has been become all about us. It has become all about our selfishness. You'll notice that nowhere in the Bible does it say, love yourself as I have loved you. Uh, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the only time it says anything about yourself and love. But it never says, love yourself. Look how great you are. You are wonderful. Um, you should be proud. Good job. It, what it does say is, you know, love me. Come after me. Follow me. It, it says, love your neighbor. It, it says to love God the only God, the one and only God. This, this, this relationship, this interaction does not stop at the cross. It continues on into us knowing and loving the Father. And, and I, look, the people that are in this room know that. You, you all get it. You're all living this. But, but I think it's important for us to be reminded of the fact that the, the love of God, the agape of God, is something that has to be actively pursued every single day. Every single day. And, and I, I think that message is, is absolutely for me, <clears throat> excuse me, as I continue on in my walk with the Lord, uh, because it's very easy for us to come to church on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a prayer time or whatever, and then go on with our daily lives. Very easy for us to set aside this thing that we call the church because we're not in the building it was very easy during the pandemic for many people not to go to church and enjoyed, I'm sure, the break from having to go to church. Um, but it's not about a building. It's not about going to a place. It's not about the tithe and the offering. It's about your pursuit of God. And then those things will follow. That's when those things begin to be part of your relationship. So I spent a lot of time here because I believe it's the foundation for who we are as saints is this two-way street of us loving God. Once we get to that place where, yes, I will actively pursue God daily in the agape, then we can see how easy it is for us to jump into the next one, which is diverse tongues. Another one of those foundational messages that we got, but another one of those things that it's easy for us to set aside. When, when you think about the infinite ways that God establishes tongues here on this earth and in the spirit then then we know that there is no um no finite capacity for us to be able to activate in diverse tongues what is diverse tongues we we've seen it it, it shows up twice in scripture first in first corinthians 12 um, 7 10 the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all 
For to one is given the Spirit, by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. For me, diverse tongues became how God makes the comfortable uncomfortable and pushes our relationship through new communication. I, I believe that communication is the number one foundation for a marriage. It has to be there. Obviously, you have to love your, your partner. That's, we just talked about love. But, but beyond that, there has to be communication. You have to talk to each other. Uh, and I find that the, the, the issues that, that my wife and I may have tend to stem from us not communicating. So I get into trouble when I don't tell her what I'm about to do. And there's times where she's been doing something, she's been with the kids, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I'll realize that I need to go and, and send an email or go check on something or whatever. And so I'll leave the room and go do something else. And then, hey, I needed your help with such and such. Why weren't you here? Well, I was doing something else at the time. Well, you could have told me that we were. And then you get into these kind of uh, these little battles. Um, but it's because of lack of communication. It's because we're not sharing what's going on. There, there's times when I've been upset where I have the baby, he's at home, and, and Kelly's been out with, with whatever, either with the girls or, or with, her, with her family, and um, you know I'm just waiting for her to show up because it's time for him to eat, and there's nothing I can do about that. Um, I've given him all the crackers and the puffs that he can eat, and he's tired of it. That's not what he wants. He wants the juice. So... I'll, I'll text her, hey, where are you? When are you going to get here? And I, I won't hear anything. And I'll start to get frustrated because, again, there's nothing I can do about this baby that's crying. He needs milk. And, and so, uh, you know, she'll get home, and, and I'm, I'm very passive-aggressive, and so I get very quiet. I, I kind of shut down, and, and we'll talk about it later. And I'll say, look, I was frustrated because you just didn't tell me. If you had just told me I'll be home in 30 minutes or I'll be home in 15 minutes or whatever it is, I could have planned for that. Maybe I could have cooked some broccoli and, and cooled it down and, you know, made a puree for him or something. But I didn't know how much time I had. You know, that's going to take time. If I start that whole process and then you come into the door right when I'm done, I'm going to get even more frustrated because then I just wasted all this broccoli, right? So we, we, we know that communication is key. You've been through this, for those of you. You don't have that. I'm the only one who has that problem. Um, <laughs> Scott knows it all I, it's foundational and, and as foundational as it is it's, it's interesting how um, how easy it is to forget that as long as you've been married and, and then even for newlyweds you know we've got some newlyweds coming up from a lot of different places um, that are, that are going to get married soon you've got these, these people and you're going to tell them hey communication is key <laughs> Communicate with one another. Talk to each other. Let them know everything that's going on. I remember when we first got married, uh, we sat down and we talked about finances, and I said, here's all my debt. And, and that's when we had you know, the big talk. We both had debt, but I had credit card debt. Um, I, I thought it would be smart not to take out loans um, because I, loans were a big deal for, in my mind. 
So I thought, you know what? I'm just not going to take out loans. I'm going to put everything on credit cards because then I can just pay it down. I know. I didn't know anything. So I, I had all this credit card debt from putting my school books and, and supplies and all sorts of stuff. And it wasn't until later that I realized that, well, with the student loan, you don't have to pay it off or start paying it until you're done with school. With credit cards, right, you've got to do it immediately. I was never taught about finances. So when we had that talk, that's off topic. But anyway, when we had the talk, it was, it was very interesting. But the point is, communication is super important. We know this. But, but it's still difficult for us to walk in it. And that's why I think diverse tongues is so important. You know, when you, when you pray in the spirit, the Bible talks about how it activates things within us, how it moves the spirit to, to work through us, in us, for us, with us, into doing so many different things. Diverse tongues is that natural progression of there's more to this communication than just praying in the spirit. In fact, praying in the spirit is like what Levi is doing right now. Ba 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 ba. That's all he can say is the ba 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 ba. Can't say dad dad. Can't say mama. Ba ba. So he's starting with the beginning of the alphabet, the B's and the A's. He'll get to the other letters later. One day he's going to start saying words. In fact, my girls right now, I don't know why, but they asked me if they could download Duolingo and learn Spanish. I've been trying to teach them Spanish for years. And, and the thing that they tell me is, don't, don't speak that way to me. Don't talk like that to me. They don't want me to speak Spanish to them. But now they're learning it from an application, which I think is great. Um, so they're learning Duolingo. They, I, I guess you shook your head, Pastor. I guess they're doing it at your house, too, where they're learning Duolingo Spanish. It's, it's another language that they're going to pick up and then be able to speak with other people. You think about um, what Pastor just went through in, in Brazil, where... He had to translate through a, a person who maybe speaks multiple languages. We, we, had, we had to go into to France, and now they're, they're speaking French over there, and Switzerland, and all these different places. In the spirit, very much like that, you learn these languages, and it activates different things in the spirit in different places. And, and when we start walking in that walk, we, we see the doors, the gates that are open. This is... This is beyond foundational now, but you see the gates and the doors that are open for us to activate in. And diverse tongues allows us to do that. But it's a communication tool that has to be used every single day. I love that it also shows up in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 when it talks about the fivefold ministry. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, after that miracles, and gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, the genos glosa. This, this to me is super important because it means that it's actively part of the fivefold ministry, which we're going to talk about uh, at the end. Diverse tongues is super important to be activated daily. And, and again, this audience, I, I know you know that. I know that a helpful reminder is great, but this is, this is about us being those that walk in this every single day. And, and so for those who know it, congratulations. I, I hope you continue to walk in it. For those who have heard it but aren't walking in it daily, recognize that this is super important for us to be doing daily. The next one is proskuneo. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, it says, that Again, the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. 
and the glory of them, and said unto him, All these things will I give thee if you will fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. Let's read the next one too. 1 Corinthians 14. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believes not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. You know what? Let's read the next one too. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up saying, look, stand up. I'm a man. I, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went and found many that were come together. Three passages that talk about proskuneo in its, in its physical form. You know, we, we think about the word worship, um, and it obviously has to do with your heart and, and where your heart is and, and your love for God. Worship is something that happens both internally and, and I believe, physically. Um, growing up, again, in, in the Catholic Church, worship during church was not something that we really delved into. It, it was not something that was part of the relationship. When you went to church, you sat and you listened. You were told that there's a God and you better be giving your money towards that God. Um, but, but as we moved beyond that, as I moved into more of a relationship with him, regardless of the church, when I, as I moved into a relationship with God, it became, no, no, there's, your heart has to be a part of it. Your, your whole being has to be a part of it. Your mind, your soul, your spirit, your strength, that's where that scripture comes in. And, and as we as a church, and then the revelation that was coming began to move us forward, um, there was this recognition that proskuneo has a, has a physical form as well. It, it means to lay prostrate before God. And that, I think, is super important because it, it, it connotes so many different things in the natural, in the physical. I remember watching a, a movie with Jackie Chan, I can't remember the movie for the life of me, but it was a movie with Jackie Chan at the very beginning of the movie, they're in, in China, and um, their, their emperor or empress, I forget which one it was, I think it was the empress, was, was being carried um, through the, the courtyard into the temple, and, and as she is walking by, uh, all the people begin to bow, and, and you see them, they're standing at the beginning, and then they, they do something with their hands where they throw down their hands and then they, they fall down on their face. And, and that to me is, is uh, a true depiction of, of worship. It is someone who shakes the, the world off and says, I will, I will lay down prostrate before God and, and worship him and, and my face is down. And, and in fact, in that culture, in that society back then, if you looked up to the face of the emperor, then you were beheaded, you were killed because you were not allowed to look upon that, that particular person. So I, I remember that scene because of what we were doing at the time, which was proscuneo. And, and I think no greater breakthrough, in my opinion, has happened as we have gone out into the various cities and, and, and countries. No greater, greater breakthrough has happened um, without Proskuneo. Am I saying that right? That, that the breakthrough really came as we started to activate proskuneo 
in those particular churches. I remember vividly going to um, uh, overseas and, and us talking with the pastors and, and working with them and, and us having a very specific service on proscuneo. And uh, the people, after we spoke on it, laying on their face and, and just worshiping God that way on, on dirty concrete floors. These people did not care that, that their clothes were getting, I cared. I was like, oh my goodness, no, wait, can we sweep first? Um, but no, they, they, I, I, I gave the message, we talked about proscuneo, and, and I said, you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna do this. We're gonna activate uh, proscuneo in this church, and, and they didn't even flinch. People that weren't looking around like, well, who's gonna be first? It was, it was amazing to see the heart of these people and the love that they had for God to say, look, the, the minister has said we're gonna, we're gonna lay on this dirty floor on our face and worship the Lord, and, and that's exactly what they did. And afterwards, we had some good food, but, but during, they, they, it was, there was nothing stopping them from worshiping God. And you know they played music, um, they, they interceded, you could hear people praying in tongues, in diverse tongues, and, and I think the, the breakthrough for the person, for the people to, to say, yes, my, not just my heart, but my body as well is gonna worship the Lord. I remember us doing an activation um, not too long ago, I would say, where, where Pastor called us to proscuneo in the mornings or in, in the evenings. Um, we did this for a, a set amount of time. But, but I would submit to you that, that worship in this fashion should be done daily. When, whether you decide to go all the way proscuneo or where you, whether you are um, kneeling before you're you know, on your bed or whatever it might be, I, I think that as saints, we should be actively functioning in proscuneo every single day. And again, I know many of you already do, and, and that's wonderful. But, but if we are to move forward and be practical in our sainthood, this is something, it's one of those things that has to be done daily. The next one, I'm going to skip the dreams and visions because that's really what, what started the impetus of this, this sermon. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. I'm going to skip and just go very quickly to the fivefold ministry because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, only because I have spent the last two or three months talking about the fivefold ministry. Um, when I think about it, it's been three months because I started here. So I have spoken on it. Pastor has spoken on it. We have books on it. There are several resources for you if you're listening to this and you don't know what the fivefold ministry is. You've been hiding under a rock or you just joined us, one or the other. Um, because we talk about the fivefold ministry a lot. And, and for me, it is one of the most powerful and impactful things that has come out of this church and the revelation that, that God has shared with our pastor uh, on the way that this thing functions. And, and I, I was super excited about it then, and I'm still super excited about it now. Um, the fivefold ministry is, is a life changer, in my opinion, on the way that we walk and work with God. And, and I say that because I believe that every single day you should be walking in your office. Whether you are a prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, whatever, you don't turn it off when you leave the church. It, it's something that you turn on when you leave the church in order to activate with, with the world. Because the point of it 
And it says it here. We're gonna, we'll read the scripture, Ephesians 4.11. He gave some apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I spoke on what the fivefold is, verse 11, and I spoke about what the fivefold does, verse 12, in two separate sermons. So if you haven't heard those, go listen to them. Um, but I think they're super important. I love the fivefold ministry. I, I spoke on the power words and the fivefold ministry uh, a couple Wednesdays ago in, in Wednesday Night Live. Um, and I, I may revisit that because there was a lot of things that I think the Lord was, was showing to me, and, and I, I want to revisit that. But the point is, if, if you are not walking in the fivefold ministry daily, you should be. If you are a prophet, every single day there should be prophecy coming from you. If, if you are a teacher, every single day some, some point of teacher-seer should be coming out of your being. Um, if you're a pastor, I think it's easier for, for that particular office because if you're a pastor and you're talking to people, that's just going to come out naturally. I was, I was talking to a, a friend of mine, my, my high school reunion, my 25th high school year reunion is coming up next year. I'm old. And um, yes. And um, I was asked to be on the reunion committee, which all that means is we need people to call people to tell them to give to the school and, and come to the party, right? So I, I volunteered. Um, I'm hoping that one day that relationship will allow my son to go into the school. You know, very, very excited. We got to save money. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm on the committee and I, I'm talking to, or I'm calling these friends of mine that I haven't seen forever long. And, and one of them happens to be a minister in the Austin area. And so he and I are talking and, and we talk about uh, the church. And, and he, he, I asked him, I said, are you still the student? ministries person over at whatever church you were at he said no no i actually moved from there um i am now the discipleship pastor over at a different church and he kind of started explaining what that meant and and i feel like at, at a certain point he was i don't want to say disappointed I, I know he loves his ministry but he was he was trying to figure out a way to say what he did without me judging him for not having a big church because that's what as, as ministers, we grew up with whenever we talked to other ministers, right? Well, how many people do you have? Yeah. Like that was the metric of success for ministry. How many people you have in your congregation? Or how much money are you raking in? And he works at a mega church. So um, as, a, as a discipleship pastor, I think he was trying to figure out how do I say this without sounding like I'm not, not, like I'm not great or something like that. And so we started talking about it. And, and I encouraged him. I said, brother, that's amazing. I, I said, you're... you're like a pastor of pastors, and not only are you shepherding people personally, but you're also uh, shepherding groups of people um, and, and coordinating all these things. And I said, I love that. I think that's a great for you. And he said, yeah, you know, I, I just, um, for me, it's really about getting a person to be empowered wherever they need to go. And, and immediately in my mind, I felt, you're a pastor. You are the office of the pastor. That is what you are, and that's why you are excelling at this because you're doing what God has called you to do. Um, there are evangelist pastors. I think I said this the other day. There are apostle pastors. We've got one of those. There are, there are teacher pastors where most of their sermons are very, very um, rhetoric-oriented or, or um, inductive Bible study kind of thing. You know, they're, they're very uh, teachy when they preach. Then you've got the... Um, prophet pastor and and those are very fiery sermons and there's there's a lot of you know this is what the lord is saying and doing he was a pastor pastor 
And, and that, I think, is great for him. And I hope he recognize. I hope to be able to talk to him in our reunion about that specifically. But, but I think we as a people, as specifically as saints, need to be walking in that daily. And I say that because um, you will find no greater purpose than following your purpose. You will find no greater uh, encouragement than doing what God has called you to do. And I feel like that's where my, my friend is right now. He's doing what he feels God has called him to do. I feel like he's finally in the place where God has called him to be. Uh, and that's what's making him happy. And I, I hope to encourage him in that. But for you, you need to be functioning in the fivefold ministry daily. So if, if we talked about, we talked about this in the seminar. Uh, if you're listening to this and you need to go back and listen to those, great. But if you don't know what you are, Find out. There are ways of finding that out. Um, find out what you are and function in it because you will not be right until you function in it. The last thing I want to talk about um, is dreams and visions. And, and really what started this was I had a dream. And I felt like we needed to talk about dreams and visions. But I didn't feel like this was all that I was going to be talking about. And, and so as I prayed about it, the Lord said, Fabian, you need to be actively cataloging. And I did for a very long time and, and kind of stopped. But he said, but you need to be actively cataloging what you're dreaming about. You need to be recognizing when I'm speaking to you in dreams and in visions. And it's, it's something that I have put off and I'm, I'm going to start to start to pick back up. And, and I would submit to you that, that we as a body, no, no. Yes, we as a body, but more importantly, we as saints need to be actively functioning in dreams and visions and cataloging those things that are coming to us. Now, obviously, a big part of that is understanding um, the iconography of what happens in our dreams. Why did that particular person show up? Why is that particular element in here? And, and you studying the Bible and you studying the revelation that has come from this church is, is going to be a big help for you. Specifically when we talk about colors and the seven spirits, you'll notice that's not in, in here, and that's for a reason. I think the seven spirits are something that we can function in every day, but more importantly, I think it's something that becomes a part of the way that you walk. And, and so that's why it's not in here. We could talk about it. We're, we're not going to. But, but from a dreams and visions perspective, you're going to see specific colors. Those colors uh, have to do with certain aspects of the spirit. So as I, I was preparing for this sermon, <clears throat> I had a dream. And I won't tell you the dream because I don't remember the dream. It, it wasn't important. What I do remember was at the end, and, and this was important. So I'm in this building, and there was a bunch of people coming in and out, and it was almost like a video game. Some sort of natural disaster or, or terror or something had, had occurred, and, and it was kind of a, an a, apocalyptic um, environment where... There was lawlessness everywhere, and, and you know, um, the law enforcement was, was going around and just you know, hitting everybody, um, regardless of whether you were guilty or innocent, and it, it was just a weird place. And, and so I was in this building that was kind of harboring, I don't want to say fugitives, but it, it was harboring people that um, were, were destitute and poor and, and were just looking for help. Right? They, were, they were hurt physically. They just needed something. So we were in this building. I don't know why we were there. There was all these people lining the walls. 
and uh, all of a sudden, other things happen, but it doesn't matter, because all of a sudden this little girl comes up to me, and, and, and my, my mind started to wake up. I was coming out of sleep at this point in time, but this little girl was, was coming to me, and, and when that happens for me, my body takes on the natural, um, the, it, it takes on, in the dream, the same thing that I'm doing at that time. So I was laying down, because I'm in bed, asleep, right? And so in the dream, all of a sudden, I'm laying down as well. And this little girl comes up to me, and, and she says, the, um, the police are going to come get me. They're, they're coming right now to come get me. And, I, and I, I stopped, and I looked at her, and I said, there's, there's three reasons why the Lord would tell you this. And I said, that was prophetic. There was three reasons why the Lord would tell you that. Number one, because uh, he wants you to do something about it. Number two, because he doesn't want you to do something. Or number three, because he wants you to brace yourself. Those are the three reasons why God would tell you that. And then I woke up, and that was it. That's all that happened. And, and I thought about that, and, and I recognized that that was a nugget of truth that the Lord was telling me for this sermon here. There are three reasons why you would have a particular dream. Uh, number one, because something is about to happen that you need to be prepared for, and you need to do something about it. So, so it's not about prognostication and knowing the future. It's about, I don't want to say changing the future, but it's about you actively doing something about what's about to happen. Bracing your, no, no, not bracing yourself. Preparing yourself for what's about to come because you're going to have to do something that changes the outcome of that particular thing. Okay? The second one is something is about to happen um, that if you do something about it, it's going to change what I want to happen. So don't do what you think you want to do, which is different than the first one, right? The first one is do something because I want you to change the outcome. The second one is you are about to do something. Don't do that. Stop what you're doing because I want this thing to actually occur. The third one is something is about to happen, and there's nothing that I want you to do about it. Don't do anything. I'm just preparing you because... It's going to hurt. It's going to happen. But be prepared because I'm with you. Those are the three events, in my opinion, that happen when you have a dream. It's to prepare you in one of those three ways. So obviously I have some scriptures here. We'll read through them really, really quickly. In Matthew chapter 1, um, well-known story, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away Privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and he shall, she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So which one is this? Don't do it, Joseph. You're going to put her away privately to, in order to not make a, a spectacle out of this. That's a great thought, very lovely of you. Don't do it. I want this to happen. I want you to get married um, to this woman. Joseph goes on and, and marries Mary. Marries Mary. Matthew chapter 2. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed unto their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So which one is this one? 
This one is do something, right? You're, you're in a place. You were going to go this way. I don't want you to go that way anymore. I want you to go over here. Uh, this next one is not necessarily one that talks about the, the third one, but I, I brought it up anyway because I think it's important. Matthew chapter 27. When he, Pilate, was sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So in a dream, she is being told, hey, this is going to be bad for you. This is going to be bad for you. Get away from the situation. And, and she tells her husband, look, this is, this is wrong. We need to step away from this. And, and so he ends up washing his, his hands. You know the story. He ends up washing his hands of the whole situation and says, I don't want to be a part of it. So, so I truly believe the dreams and visions are super important for our daily walk. And, and this, that's really what this teaching, this message has been all about, our daily walk. You dream every single night if you think about it. Um, sometimes you don't remember your dream. Sometimes your, your rest is so restless that maybe you feel like you didn't have an opportunity to dream. But every, every, probably every day you have the opportunity to dream. And I think it's very important for us as saints to be recognizing what God is saying through our dreams. Now, the expansion of that is obviously visions. Uh, and I'm not talking about daydreams. We're, we're talking about visions. And there's times when there are things happening in the spirit that, that the Lord allows us to see that we need to be mindful of. <clears throat> That's the natural progression or the natural expansion of, of this concept. And I think it's easier for our children to activate in this because they're so new to their walk that, that they don't brush it off as something that's just that, you know, hey, I just saw things, right? Uh, I remember very vividly our, our daughters um, telling us and telling their, their papa um, that, that they saw something. And, and, and I love and appreciate that, that their grandfather, the pastor of this church, encouraged that and, and, and built into them this desire to continually see in the spirit because I feel like as, as adults, we start to dismiss those things as childish things that we should be, that we should grow out of. That when we see things that we begin to dismiss them. For someone like me, who has a very analytical and scientific mind, it's easy to begin to dismiss those things. It's easy for me to, to explain it away um, scientifically or, oh, it's because of the light was bouncing and such and such. And, and you can do experiments. See, if you just you know, turn this off and on, the, the, the haze of it turning on in your eyes creates this glare, and that's really what you were looking at. Very quickly, we begin to dismiss these things. But <clears throat> I submit to you that as a saint, you should be actively recognizing what the Lord is saying to you in your dreams and opening up yourself to see in the spirit the things that God wants you to see. Again, many of you already know this. It's, it's foundational stuff. But, but I think it's stuff that has to be, has to be acted upon every single day and, and not just dismissed. All of these things. There's obviously more things that we have learned in this church. But these things to me are the foundation for how we walk our walk. And, and they're not difficult things. Um, I'm, I'm not asking you to write a book on your dreams. There are dreams that you're going to have that are pizza dreams. We've talked about that before, right, where you eat some. So what is it in uh, – 
Christmas Carol, a bit of undigested cheese or something like that. Yes, you have those types of dreams where, where you're unsettled and, and that unsettledness causes that anxiety in your body to manifest itself in, in your dreams. I've, I've had those where you're going to school and, and you're, I, my, my reoccurring school dream is that I cannot remember my locker combination. I, I'm not one that goes naked into a class. Or, I'm not worried about that. I cannot remember my locker combination. So I'm standing in front of my locker thinking, it's three numbers. Surely I've written this down somewhere or something, but I cannot open this thing. That's my reoccurring anxiety dream. It, and I know when I have those dreams, so here's the thing. I know when I have those types of dreams that I'm anxious about something. And so what has happened in my life is when I do have those dreams, I, I actually step back and think, what am I dealing with right now that I'm anxious about and how do I deal with it in, in, in my awakeness? Um, because obviously I can't do anything about my dreams, but, but in, in my awakeness, I can say there's something going on in my life and I can do something. But I, I truly believe that's why God allows us to have these dreams and visions because there's something that we need to be doing about it, but we need to recognize that. So I end with that. I, I know there's a lot more I could say on it. I think this is super important. Um, so pray about it and, and allow the Lord to lead you in, in this walk. Father, we just thank you for all that you have done, the, the massive revelation that you've given to this church. We pray that you continue to walk through us, with us, in us, in order to activate these things and activate our spirits. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Comments? with our Father. I mean, that is our objective. Yeah. 
this generation trying to destroy the influence of the father and what we the relationship we have with our earthly father is <coughs> kind of you know a reflection of what we should have with our heavenly father but so many don't know that relationship with their earthly father so the idea of a heavenly father is just not there yeah, completely foreign yeah sure they're, they're either afraid of or afraid they're afraid or that there's a distance between them and their earthly father, and so there's a distance there from God, as you were experiencing or talking about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pastor Fabian, I liked uh, the dreams and visions surprise. Mm. Um, I dream a lot. Uh, and I try to write them down afterwards. You know, I just sit down at the computer and just write it out like a story, you know, so I don't forget all the details. <clears throat> but uh, it helped me today because I hadn't really thought about three ways to interpret a dream. I, I think I really looked at it like that. You know, I'm so busy with all the little details, you know, I kind of go that direction. <laughs> but uh, what I wanted to tell you is, because I was listening to you explain that using scripture, um, that's exactly what happened to me, and I'm not going to tell it, like, because it's too involved, but the fact that I sat here and listened to you teach that part, then I replayed that in my mind, and basically, this recent dream I had would be, like, number one, do something and yeah. change the outcome. Well. Just very simply, it was a dream, and I was with the saints, <coughs> and I kept emphasizing to the group that was with me, and also saying that to myself, is we need to search the scriptures. And I kept saying, search the scriptures. It wasn't like study the scriptures or read the scriptures. It was to search the scriptures. And so, you know, I was very earnest about it, and everybody's real serious, and we're just kind of involved with all of that. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm going to be teaching soon. You know, maybe I should, you know, kind of think about seriously what the topic should be, which I've taught several weeks back now, but it was about uh, the titles of God in Revelation. And so I just picked five and went with it. But I still remember when I was studying for the different titles, uh, I, I found myself kind of going off on rabbit trails and they're not necessarily <clears throat> bad but you can't come back and try to teach on everything you discovered because yeah. well it'd be hours you know and you everybody would bored to tears but i was earnestly doing that because of the dream well then sitting here listening to you teach i realize now that immediately after that happened i taught that sunday i stepped into spiritual warfare now, I didn't know that going into it, but I knew something had changed in the atmosphere. And it was for Brazil. But I mean, this is a big circle, you know, and I'm trying to hit all these things. But I realize now that's what God was getting me ready for. Uh, it yeah. wasn't because I was teaching in Sunday school, but that's what I thought. Yeah. It was in preparation for the spiritual warfare because I remember 
studying different aspects of the titles of God. And so then when I was in the midst of that, when I was praying, they would come back, the scriptures would come back to me, and so I would pray those scriptures. Yeah. But I didn't think about it that way until you said, this is, there's three ways to interpret the vision, yeah. or the dream. The right. dream. Right. And so, thank you, because then I went there, yeah. and uh, I thought, okay, that makes sense now. That's awesome. Yeah. It's great to hear. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Very good teaching. Thought of you know when a dream happens and and it, God is telling you something because He wants you to let it happen, right? Or accept it, in other words. Yeah. And I thought of Samuel in history. He yes. accepted it. That's good. And I thought of Joseph in history. Yeah. He accepted it. Talked about it, which probably was a mistake. <laughs> Shut your mouth. It was a mistake. <laughs> but he accepted it. Yeah. And we try to th change things that we're supposed to accept. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could have gone, because again, I, I said that was the impetus of this whole teaching was, was the dreams and visions. But I felt like maybe that'll come later. Right now, it, it has to be more about what are we supposed to be doing every single day? And then the practically the same title came up to, to me. Because it, it's true. You know, we, we're, we're not there yet. We will never be there. We have to fight for our place and continually with God. And, and I think that's that's what this was all about. And so will more sermons come out of, or teaching come out of this teaching? Potentially, but I think that's what the, the whole point was. Yeah, it reminds me, we talk about in the natural, uh, in a contest where somebody has moved the goalpost. Yeah. Mm. Well, the, the goalpost doesn't move, but our perception is right. that, that it moved. Yeah. It never did move, but we perceive that the goalpost has moved yeah. as we progress. And uh, same to it. Right. Yeah, this process. Yeah. Mark Burke will be teaching here <coughs> next week, so we always look forward to Mark. Thank you for a wonderful job. Thank today. you. God bless you. I think there's refreshments in the back if you can beat Fran. Okay, I'm on my way.